Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Hey everyone, just a reminder, please visit Apple Podcasts and find FASD Hope, subscribe, like us, and please leave us a five-star rating and review. Thanks so much. And now our episode. Thanks for joining us today. Our topic is Sensory Strategies for Learning, and our guest is Jennifer Donaldson. Jennifer Donaldson hopes her life is a window for seeing the joy that comes from loving God and loving people, and her business name is Taylor Joy. She has worked as an educator, teaching elementary school, subbing at all grade levels in regular and special ed, and doing private tutoring. Jennifer retired from the elementary classroom when her aging parents needed more care, and she became a private tutor. She is the founder and educator at Taylor Joy. You can contact Jennifer through her website at www.taylorjoy.com. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. I am so blessed to know today's guest. She is a returning guest to FASD Hope. She was on our show uh, late last year, and I've asked her to return because this amazing woman not only played such an important part in our son's life, but um, she continues to play an important part in our life because we look to Jennifer as someone who guides us and to someone who just is such a creative and kind and nurturing, not only a tutor, but just somebody that when you're with her, you feel better. (laughs) And I guess I can't explain, um, you know, Jennifer Donaldson in any other words, but just encouraging and, and just you're blessed to know her. So Jennifer Donaldson of Taylor Joy, Tutoring and Beyond, welcome back to FASD Hope. Thanks for having me, Natalie. So let's talk about what's been up since we last spoke, because I know you have some new ventures and and I love following you on social media. And not only do you still have your tutoring business, but you have some new things coming up. So share with us what you've been doing. Well, it has certainly been um, a busy few months for me. While everybody else was home with a pandemic, I decided to use some of that little extra time when there was less activities in the evening and things to expand my tutoring business. Um, I've been thinking a lot more about educational services and things. And so I decided to start an LLC, which is like just an official company (laughs) and building a website. It's been such a huge learning curve for me. 
Um, but I think that that's kind of what makes me a good teacher is that I'm still a student. And so I understand what it's like to feel like over your head with so much information, which I'm sure for you, Natalie, is probably how you guys felt when you started a podcast and a website and things. You're excited, but you're over your head and it's all so new. Anyway, I do have a new website. It is www.taylorjoy.com. And it's kind of where I blog weekly about education and parenting and faith and family. And I call it two minutes together um, as my blog is hopefully just a two minute read. And it's designed to help parents and teachers be ready for whatever the day may bring. Um, It's my goal to help people smile more and sigh less as they lift their heads up and see the joy that's in everyday life. And my ideas are a little bit outside the box, kind of like my logo. So you'll have to go to my website and check out my logo and see what I mean by that being outside the box. So my main focus still is on tutoring one-on-one, but I'm also writing some online courses to help others be better at tutoring their own children or to maybe start their own tutoring business. Plus, I'm working on a course to help parents teach vocabulary to their kids. Like when your kid needs to know those 15 science words by next week. And so hopefully I'm going to release some of these courses on my website um, this spring or summer. So your listeners, they could subscribe to my blog, get more information on my website about when my courses will be available. And I'm really just thankful for an opportunity to use my um, teaching degree and my years of experience as a parent to kind of expand my business and help others to tailor joy in their everyday life. So that's kind of what I've been up to. And thanks for letting me give a little plug for my business. Absolutely. And we will be sharing your information again, not only at the end of our episode, but in our program notes so that people can visit you. Um, I personally love following you on social media and, and visiting your website. And I'm so excited for what the future is, is holding for Taylor Joy. So that's awesome. So last time you were on our show, we talked about creative thinking and how how we can use creative thinking with our children to reinforce strategies and reinforce learning. Today, we're taking that one step further and we're going into sensory strategies and using out-of-the-box sensory strategies, which I personally love because having two children that think very differently in different ways, I know that Sensory strategies can really make an impact in the brain, not only being receptive to information, but in order to help retain it. You know, I I came from the school of thought is the more ways you can receive information, the better it'll quote stick end quote, you know, so I, 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 I'm that I don't, that doesn't sound too scientific, but I mean, that's, that's how I remember learning it. So I, I know that the more senses we can use in learning, I think hopefully the better it will be. So I'm really excited about today's topic. Before we start talking about sensory strategies, so let's talk a little bit about executive functioning and working memory difficulties. We know in kids and teens and adults with FASD and other brain-based diagnosis, it's hard for them to memorize and to retain information. Can you introduce the concept of using sensory strategies to help this and why it's important, like you said, to think out of the box in learning strategies such as sensory strategies? Well, learning is hard in general, but especially during the pandemic. 
And so many parents have had to become even more involved in their child's education if they weren't already. And we all know that every kid learns differently, just like you have two kids and they learn totally differently. So why not harness the type of learning that your child does best and make it fun? One-on-one, you can have so much more freedom to tailor learning to what works best for your child and find the joy in learning. We typically think about auditory, visual, kinesthetic. There's actually eight different sensory learning styles, but you might need to have another guest on to talk about that because that's not my strength on there. But the common ones that we know of typically are taste, touch, sight, sound, and smell. But the other three that um, the sensory world has come to talk about are vestibular, um, proprioception, and interoception. So today, I'm going to stick to the ones I'm most comfortable talking about, and those would be our five basic senses. But if any families want to learn more about that, there's tons on the internet about that. As a teacher and tutor, I've had so many times to think creatively and quickly with these out-of-the-box strategies, mostly when a student is frustrated. (laughs) I can see that frustration building up in a student. They start acting up or shutting down and they're unable to focus and learn. And that really brings out the creative side of me because I want every child to find some joy in learning. And I'm sure parents are the same way. The kid needs to learn this, but you want to make it fun and look at their, how do they learn best? So if a child isn't learning, then, um, or they don't want to, I really want to know why, and I want to make it better. And so for many years, (laughs) that that's what I've done is this out of the box, creative thinking ideas. Most of my ideas do stem from my educational background and training, but there are some that are just kind of on the fly, this trial and error based on creativity and desperation. Once I caught a fifth grade client laying on my floor crying about having to come to tutoring. So I thought quickly and I decided I was going to catch him off guard and ignore his crying. And I commented on his pose as he's on my floor that it was my favorite yoga pose. And would he like to learn dead bug, happy baby pose next? Well, the distraction worked. The child stopped crying. We learned some yoga poses together. Then I had him stand up and unpack his backpack so we could get started on tutoring. So all of the sensory learning and sensory breaks, kind of like yoga, can be so helpful for regulating a child or providing a brain break. And all these out-of-the-box ideas can help students with FASD or other disorders when things are just not working on a particular day. You know, so the strategies I'm going to share with you today are just some creative ways to come about learning in maybe a more fun way. We, we need to recognize that learning is fun. And when the fun is taken out of learning, I love how you're saying we need to step back and examine. It's almost like we have to investigate why, why is that? So this is great. This is great. So let's talk about learning styles and uh, creative ways to incorporate learning strategies to help learning. So learning styles are basically just how your child learns best usually by hearing, watching, or by doing. These are not the only way your child learns, so don't discount all the other ways that we can learn, but understand that sometimes it helps your child to focus on content in the way we present it in a way that they enjoy. 
But like you also said, Natalie, when you were talking about, we learned that in old school, all the different ways are going to help us learn. So we should learn them all the different ways, but really there's no magic formula here. Um, And I do want to acknowledge that there's a bit of disagreement in the education world as to whether or not focusing on learning styles is even necessary or helpful. However, the purpose of today's podcast um, is to use sensory strategies that will help make learning fun for your child. So it's not the only way to teach and learn, but there can be fun activities connected to our senses. So I hope that the following information will just give your listeners um, two or three different ideas that they can maybe use at home or at school um, to make learning fun. And as you said, Natalie, it's also extra challenging for kids and teens with FASD and other brain-based diagnoses to memorize and retain basic information. So let me tell you briefly about the learning styles and some tips on how you can use them educationally you might clearly see your child or yourself in one of these learning styles. And later in the show, I'm going to give you some specific examples about how you can use them to memorize and retain information. So first, there's visual learners. Why is it first? Well, because that's me and I'm going to talk about it first. Visual learners, we really like colorful paper, colorful pens, stickers, books that are rich with text features graphic novels, visual aids as memory triggers. Sometimes we relate better to arrows and charts than we actually do to photographs and videos. So different types of visual learners there. Some visual learners like to sight read much better than they like to learn phonics. Some visual learners are better at music and drama. So use those to tie in with subjects that you're learning. Some study strategies for visual learners are color coding assignments in their agenda, taking Cornell notes, sketching out their ideas, screen sharing, using shared documents, annotating as you read, using thinking maps, visual countdown systems, visual word walls, color coded paragraphs, fill in the blanks, get ready, do, done charts and picture schedules. On the flip side, visual learners can also be overly stimulated by visuals, so you might need to help reduce the amount of print on a page by covering up half of it with a blank sheet. So those are kind of the pros and cons of being a visual learner. You can combine touch with visual and keep a student better engaged by reading, such as running your finger under the words when you read or tapping your pencil on the numbers um, in a math word problem. Visual learners really like using microscopes and binoculars and puzzles and mazes to support their learning. Next, we have auditory learners. Auditory learners, they like oral directions and discussions. They like Bluetooth headphones because it allows them to walk away from the screen so they can listen and not be distracted by the visuals. They remember lyrics and jingles. You can use music in um, your room to calm or to engage your students. Changing your volume with an auditory learner helps the learner pay attention. You can whisper read to a partner. You can whisper your corrections. You can sing your answers. You can echo to a partner, or you can play the I have who has game. Sometimes auditory learners are better at thinking and science and writing, so you can use those to tie into the subjects. 
Study strategies for auditory learners involve oral recitation of facts, audio flashcards, making up songs or mnemonic devices to memorize facts. For auditory learners to proofread their written work, it's really great to have them read it out loud because they can often hear their own mistakes when they read it and make those corrections. And contrary to what us visual learners want, sometimes it's best for auditory learners not to take notes as it's a distraction for them. So listening to audiobooks while reading along is a, is a great multisensory approach, um, especially if you have multiple students together to be doing that. All right, let's talk about the sense of touch. There are students who learn from physical movement and touch-based activities. Kinesthetic learners like to touch, examine, build, and move things around. So letting a student hold um, an object in their hands helps them get a better connection to what you're learning about. These students like physical checks for understanding like a thumbs up or their hands on their head or lifting their left or right hand or showing paddles. They may also like to role play or simulations to act out historical events or to spell words. For kinesthetic learners, um, you might allow them choice seating, the ability to get up and move around. So as long as it doesn't distract other students, they might wanna stand at their table. Study strategies for these hands-on learners. They could sort or group their flashcards. They could create relationship webs. They can use a visual word wall that they can touch. They can draw out their ideas or air writing. They like to work with manipulatives and you have many of these around your house. You've got Legos and dry beans and toothpicks and piano keys. Touch math is a multi-sensory approach to teaching. It uses visual and kinesthetic activities together to help students discover the relationships and properties in math. And so you'll find as we're talking today that a lot of these go together with other things. So the multi-sensory approach just comes naturally. We don't even have to think about some of these. The last two senses that we have are taste and smell, and they're quite a bit harder <laughs> to achieve um, in the classroom, but they are great for at home or field trips. Outdoor learning can tap into so many of these senses as you can go on adventures together, you can explore the outdoors, you can visit a farm or an orchard where you can smell and taste so many things and you're connecting that learning experience to prior knowledge or you're building a whole new schema for learning because um, the child has been able to use so many senses there. So last I want to touch um, just briefly on multi-sensory learning. This is the approach that that the student draws connections between lots of things. So for reading, you want a student to draw a connection between the sounds and the letters. And you might have a student, um, you have multiple students in the classroom and, or even in your home, right? <laughs> Around your dinner table, you might have multiple learners. And so there's just different ways you can um, pull in all the senses to your learning. Sometimes I like to tell families, you know, don't just stick to one approach. Just try things differently. Don't just say my child only learns visually. So that's the only way I'm going to teach them because, you know, the world is not neatly organized by learning styles. So one, our kids need to be comfortable with other learning styles, but also we need to try new approaches and things. But on the stressful days when it's not all falling together, <laughs> Learning doesn't seem to be sticking with our child. We definitely want to use the, the style that works best for our child. 
but we want to vary things up. You know, you can write in the sand, you can write big letters to tiny letters, you can finger spell, you can do sign language, you can use alphabet blocks, all just to do some spelling words. The C the see it, say it, write it um, approach, such as the uh, Orton-Gillingham approach, provides multi-sensory learning feedback to the brain. You can teach a routine like how to hold a pencil by using the crocodile snap song. You got a little visual, you got some music, you got some lyrics, you got some hand motions on how to snap your fingers to hold a pencil. In one song, you've hit all the common learning styles. <laughs> or you can do one of those activities where you finger put the finger paint inside the Ziploc bag and you trace out the spelling of vocabulary words or you know, you're making some 3D letters uh, for spelling. And those are really all uh, out of clay. So those are really all the multi-sensory things that you can do. I really like to use dice. Kids just seem to be fascinated that I have a jar full of dice on my desk. And you know, it's just a multi-sensory approach that they don't even realize. Um, they ask me what the dice is for and I hand them one and I say, hey, just roll the dice and see what you get and then get the number four. And I was like, oh, look, you need to do problem number four on your math sheet. That's great. Roll another dice. You know, it's just the creative outside the box thinking if you have six study questions, um, you can tape them to different sides of your dice, or you could write out what they are, multiplication problems by rolling the dice. So dice are just a really easy, fun way that just something different, you know, maybe you're not using it on a daily basis. So the kids find it novel, and they're more willing to do things at the roll of a dice, and you know, eventually we get it all done, but they think they were in charge because they rolled the dice. So um, anyway, so a lot of my um, ideas and things that I do like to use are not typical to the classroom for that very reason, is they're not what the child expects. <laughs> they're just something a little different, and we can find a little bit more joy or do some of the unexpected. Those are terrific, and I am writing all of this down and, and seeing both of my children. You're, you're explaining, you know, these strategies, and I'm like, oh, yes, that's my daughter. Oh, yeah, that's my son, you know, it, it's, and I hope our listeners can be able to identify that, too, because when you can see how your child learns, when you can understand how your child learns, then you can help make it more, not only meaningful, but more enjoyable, which... I know as someone who homeschools, my kids are tired of me saying, you know, learning is fun and learning never stops. But I think it's true, you know, to really just embrace learning, you know, and help your child, whether you school at home virtually or whether your child is in hybrid part-time virtually, part-time in school, or whether you homeschool. I love that you were, I love that you were saying um, that you were hearing about both of your children, you know, as you were doing this. And I'm sure if this were a live broadcast, and so many of your listeners would say the same things. And I bet you and I could learn so much from them if, you know, this were a call-in show. <laughs> exactly. But that is what I love. And what I hope people are getting out of this is just sometimes we just need a fresh idea. It's yeah. not that it's anything new and amazing. It's just not what we tried today. Exactly. Exactly. And I love that. And, and especially too, that their learning style gives them a sense of security, you know, so if they're sensory, you know, more of a visual learner, but, you know, whatever activity they're doing is requiring them to use more of another sense, then remember that that style of learning can be reassuring for them. And it can be something you go back to, especially like you said, on, on a hard day or on a challenging day. So I, I love that. 
This is awesome. This is a wonderful introduction of sensory strategies. So let's talk about some examples of sensory strategies. I cannot wait to hear what you have. So as you know, sensory strategies are designed to address the level of attention that your child needs to become the optimal state of learning and to perform tasks. And sensory processing issues look different for every child. Some are sensitive to sound and touch and visual, but the two main types of sensory strategies, which go along with sensory learning, (laughs) are energizing and calming. As with everything, there are kids that will have the opposite response. So use these as suggestions, not prescriptions. You'll need to experiment with some of these ideas and take some notes of what works Get creative and tie these ideas into whatever your child is currently interested in, in order to engage them. And just let me say that I know that some of you, um, I'm sure, are very used to sensory diets um, on a regular basis. So while I'm suggesting adding an educational twist to some common activities, I do not want you necessarily to do them with those three or four activities that absolutely calm your child leave those as they are. (laughs) Brain breaks are super important and we don't really want to structure every single minute of the day, but how can we add a little learning and review to those times when your child begs for 10 more minutes of playtime? Well, here are some ideas for combining rote learning, that's the memorizing of repetitive facts, (laughs) with sensory strategies. These could be used for vocabulary words or math facts or historical timelines or spelling words. I'm going to stick to some really simple activities of like vocabulary words and spelling words and let you get creative on how you could use them for other subjects. So start small, like trying to memorize your phone number. For some activities, you'll want to have vocabulary words and definitions on separate flashcards for matching or sorting. Or for spelling words, sometimes you should have each letter on a separate card or math facts on flashcards. Okay, 10 energizing activities. If your child likes skipping and galloping, they can run across the room with a vocabulary card and come back with the word and the correct definition. Now, you might only use two or three words at a time. I'm not talking about all 10 words and all 10 definitions. If you can only do one at a time, that's fine too. They can run across the room and get the other card for you. (laughs) So words on one side, definitions on the other. Your child can crab walk or bear walk or whatever it takes to get to the other side and find that other card. If your child loves jumping in place, Well, you can spread out the letters on the floor and you can jump on the letters to spell the spelling words. In fact, we're not talking a random order. You could merely put the letters of a word in the correct order on the floor and your child is just jumping on each letter to spell the word. Or colored paper plates if you got that visual learner out there. If carrying a stack of books or pulling a wagon full of books is an energizing activity for your child, you can attach these spelling words or vocabulary words to a book or to all the cans of soup in your pantry. Whatever you need for that heavy work, um, you can attach them. If your child likes swinging, on each forward movement, you could say a vocabulary or spelling word. And on each backward movement, 
you could give the definition or spell the word. Or as a parent, you can call it out and the child can echo it. You can swing faster or change directions or whatever you need to for that energizer. For some kids, it's energizing to eat frozen grapes or popsicles or crunching pretzels or apples. I did have to think a little bit more about this one because it got a little tricky because you don't necessarily want to encourage your child to talk with their mouth full <laughs> or to use food as a reward. But I was thinking that um, for this one, they could eat a grape and then spell a spelling word in the air or between bites, or they could crunch as many crunches as there are letters in that word. Pillow fighting, for some kids, this is a, um, a great energizer. You could use vocabulary cards and you could hit the pillow on the correct word or definition. Again, if your child can do all 10 words at one time, that's great. If they can only choose between two words, you know your kid and you can just work on that. And then, you know, the goals with some of these would be, now let's add three words. Now let's add four words. Like you can build this up. For balloons, trying to keep a balloon in the air until you've spelled out the entire word. Maybe your child likes the jumping into a pile of pillows. You could match a word and definition and then jump in the pile of pillows to celebrate um, or have a right and a wrong answer pile, something like that for pillows. For the cold water splashing, some kids are really energized by the cold water. You could, with your hand, drive a boat or fish around um, a bowl of cold water and call out math facts and plunge it into the water every time you get the answer. Dance freeze would be great. You could call out vocabulary terms while dancing. And when the music stops, kind of like musical chairs, you have to scramble to the correct definition or something. So that was 10 um, energizing activities. And so I hope your brain is already whirling with some ideas of how to do a little educational review with energizing activities. So now... I want to change gears and tell you about 10 calming activities. So some kids, they would learn better during the calming activities. So if your child likes to bounce on a therapy ball or jump on a trampoline, again, you can call out the words and definitions on the jump or the spelling words. If your child likes the uh, rhythmic motion of a seesaw, you could say math facts for each up and down or one person could say the fact and the other person could say the answer. This would work for any back and forth activity. So rolling a ball between two people or a swing or opening and closing a heavy door, um, whatever calming activity with a back and forth motion that your child likes. If your auditory learner is calmed by classical music or nature sounds, you could play this quietly in the background and then you could whisper the math facts or read the words and definitions. Some kids for a calming activity really like the up and down motion of putting chairs up on desks and taking them back down again. You could make this into a multiple choice activity. So say you had four chairs at your dining room table that were turned upside down on the table. You could correspond them to A, B, C, or D and have the child take down the one that corresponds to the correct answer or a yes and no or two different words on there. But um, that would be a good way to use the putting the chairs up and down. Yoga poses, you could get creative and you could find a way to create a yoga pose that would act out the definition of a word. So be good for a lot of sensory <laughs> activities there. If your child really likes 
the calming um, effects of a fish tank or a snow globe or fireplace. You could do a word sort or a matching activity in front of that effect. All right, we're almost through this list here. So water tables with room temperature water would be great for swooshing around a toy um, and to spell the word in the water while you're swooshing the toy around. Or if you happen to be in a swimming pool, you can use your legs to spell out the words in the water in the swimming pool. Weighted blankets. Your child could be wrapped up in a weighted blanket and you're spelling out the spelling words or holding the weighted bean bag or maybe inside the blanket fort. You know, who doesn't want to do their spelling words or their reading or whatever inside the blanket fort? I'm thinking that sounds like a great idea. The stress balls. Maybe this is for us. Maybe this is for the kid. <laughs> the stress balls or the koosh balls. You can one squish per letter of the spelling word. Some kids would like to have their hand in a container of rice and beans. And if they find this a calming or soothing activity, they could trace uh, the letters of the word um, or the math facts out in there. So hopefully you're thinking about some calming activities that works well for your child and how you can add some educational reviews during this time. And I just imagine that most people probably their heads are already swirling about all the different new ideas um, that they could come up with um, during that time. And as you're listening to this and you're thinking about these new ideas, don't forget that your child, teachers at school, if they go to uh, school, or counselors or babysitters, other people have probably have some really great ideas of what they have seen work well with your child. And so um, you might engage the people around you, maybe they've seen something different, or they've tried something different. It's always good in our village <laughs> to um, ask other people for new ideas, too. Because a lot of times, like you said, Natalie, about schooling your kids at home is, our kids are tired of us and our ideas. And sometimes it's great for a fresh perspective of things like that. So don't be afraid to ask other people what they've seen work well with your child too. Oh, I love all these ideas. I cannot wait to start using some. As always, you're such a wonderful resource for us parents and those who have kids that learn differently. What are some takeaways that you have from these learning strategies? Well, so today we've talked about sensory learning, mostly the hearing, seeing, and touching. And so hopefully you're thinking about what activities you already do in your home that you can add a little memory game to um, and engage your child in that. Take something your child already loves, or like you mentioned before, is comfortable with and add an educational component just to reinforce learning. But I thought it'd be fun to do a quick little takeaway of what would it look like if we were going to teach the story of Jonah and the whale and incorporate the learning styles of our children. So how would we make a Bible lesson into with all the learning strategies for a visual learner? We would have several of the main idea words or sentences on sentence strip and put them up on the board as we tell the story. And later the students could um, put those sentence strips um, in order to retell the story. We might also have a picture or a toy whale for them to see. We could show them verses um, in the book of Jonah where they could read the story for themselves. For an auditory learner, as we're telling the story out loud, um, we would have students repeat uh, certain words or phrases. And later we would ask that the child to retell that story to a parent or friend for the auditory learners. 
For the kinesthetic learners, we might have some Legos or blocks and the students might be building a boat as they tell the story with us. We might give them a toy whale to swim next to the boat. We might even have them act out the story to retell it. So you can do a little bit of all of these if you have several children or a classroom. You can give the kids options for how to retell the story and they might surprise you with what learning strategies they use to retell the story. Maybe your visual learner really wants to act it out. Um, but this will be a great way to just have a little takeaway um, from this in your family devotions or to have your kids retell their favorite Bible story. I love all of these ideas and these strategies and what a wonderful way to tie it in. Oh, I love it. If people want to get in touch with you, to learn more or to find out more and to also follow you. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Well, they can visit my website for more of those out of the box ideas, <laughs> um, parenting tips, homework advice. And since I am a new and growing brand, um, I would love for your listeners to share my website with their friends um, or to link it on their own blog or social media. Again, it's www.taylorjoy.com. And they can get in touch with me through my website or my email address is hello at taylorjoy.com. And right now I do have a couple of um, tutoring spots for spring still available. So parents can email me and ask about that. And I'm doing just virtual learning, um, virtual tutoring. So it doesn't matter where in the world they are. Um, we could work on that. Um, so yeah, that would be a great way to get in touch with me through my website or through my email address. Fantastic. You know, Jennifer, we love to end our uh, episodes on hope takeaways. What words of hope can you give to those parents and caregivers of kids and teens that have an FASD or another brain-based diagnosis in uh, making learning fun and out of the box? Well, what I would like to say to your listeners is you are exactly the parent or caregiver that God chose for this child and teen. Your talents and abilities are just right. So give yourself grace today. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. We often use that verse to talk about our kids being fearfully and wonderfully made, but friend, it is talking about you. You are chosen and loved and God made you. So see the joy in today. May you smile more and sigh less. Now go do one of those favorite sensory activities because you have been listening to this podcast for a long time and you need a brain break. Oh my goodness. I love that. Oh, my heart. Jennifer, it is always a joy having you on. And I know we'll have you on again. And um, thank you so much for these wonderful words and, and just all of these wonderful strategies. Keep the faith, hang on to the joy, and take care. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com. Or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember, to be informed, take care, and always have hope.